0: Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. So you're in a band and you're teenagers and you're not really getting many shows and some places legally can't even let you in because there's a bar. You know, most of the venues aren't really showing any interest in in, in what you're doing and, you know, some of them are actively ripping people off and things like that. And the record industry and and the record business doesn't seem to want to know. And, you know, it's... It's tough, but you know that there's an audience out, out, out there. You know that there's people who want to hear the music and you believe in what you're doing. So, what do you do? Well, uh, my next guest uh, were, took matters into their own hands, bought originally um, an ambulance and then a taco truck, literally put all their gear in it and went around and played on the streets from the van. Um, sometimes outside venues, sometimes in, in, whenever they could turn up. And this story is is one you may have seen uh, in, in the press recently about them, the the kind of things that they've been doing and how they've took it from strength to strength and now tour without venue, just in this in this now a taco truck, and then people like Gary Holt sort of um, start talking about them, and then you realise that they're actually a really big deal. What they're doing is really important, so really interesting. They're claiming the music back for themselves. They're doing their own thing. Uh, they're just a group of kids a group of teenagers you know really who just believe in in music and believe in thrash metal and they believe there's an audience for it as well and every video that you see on social media backs that up entirely you see people on top of the taco truck hair, hair flailing everywhere you see the mosh pits outside the, the venues and stuff so it's really a, a fascinating and exciting story so i contacted them and lo and behold they got in touch and wanted to be on the show, which is super, super amazing to me. I mean, I often put at the beginning of these that it's a real treat. It really is. It's a real treat to talk to people from around the world who have the same thoughts about metal that I do and the same belief in it as, as I do. And these people are going out, and this these group of kids are, are, are going out and getting it done. They believe in what they're doing. They believe that this is a way of... Booking the trend, if you will, kind of not doing the conventional means to become famous. Everybody talks about where the next Kerr Cobain will come from, the next important person to change the course of music history, and and that's not like that's my hyperbole. That's something that I think that we're waiting to see, and and I think these these guys are doing it. The band is hemorrhage, and it was really nice to sit and talk to uh, to John Or.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's a it's a real treat. This now, um, the, uh, this next gentleman and the uh, he's in are doing some really interesting stuff and really some fantastic stuff with uh, another another way of, of putting put metal out there, another way of putting music out there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really nice to welcome um, from Hemorrhage, John Rock. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, hey what's up? What's up? <laughs> That's cool. Now, listen. I mean, we've got so much to cover here, um, and so much. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning Let's start at the beginning for you what is the, um, What's the first metal Or the first music you're hearing When you're growing up?
2: Uh, well my brother was playing uh, Guns N' Roses Metallica The Black Album just came out Around that time I think Yeah those were like the first ones But like uh, in the 2000s uh, Pop Punk was really big On MTV so we were like Influenced by a lot of that too yeah. Especially uh Sun 41 because they were really heavy for what they were.
1: Yeah. Was it was that was that the first band that you kind of made your own? Was it like I really I love this band and everything they do? Was Sum 41 and that type of thing? And that's yeah, yeah,
2: Absolutely, because they were like they weren't like tough guys, you know, they're like <laughs> happy, they're like messing around like teenagers. Like we were like yeah. how we were growing up. So yeah, I looked up to those guys a lot.
1: I, I remember when then, um, when some 41, uh, they got signed off the back of a video. They made a home video of them doing stupid shit where they were like playing with toys and skateboarding and doing all kinds of things. And they were kind of like uh, signed almost off the back of that because it was just, it was so real. It was just them having fun. And then when they kind of became bigger, it was because of uh, they were just being themselves, just a, a heightened version of themselves. And that must have been appealing to you. You know, when you were growing up, you must have seen the same things and acted the same way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. Like it was really cool. It was really cool seeing them like the way they were. And it was like different, you know, because they were, they were also doing the heavy stuff. Like the, the yeah. dude was doing solos. It's like, oh, like whoa. Like, uh, <laughs> they two didn't do that They're like none of those guys did it, but they were like the crossover band.
1: Yeah. And they did like, they just talk, they talked about old school metal as yeah. well. Like they did obviously that thing of, uh, the sluts or whatever it was, which was obviously a clear nod to Judas Priest. They kind of wore their influences and I made and they wore their influence on the sleeve. Did you knowing if they were into that type of stuff, did you go back and listen to some of the more old school stuff then off the back of
0: that?
2: Yeah, yeah, like uh they, they kept doing appearances where like they would have Judas Priest on stage or Mötley Crue, or they had like Carrie King and one of their music videos. So like yeah they were for me they were the gateway to the metal and then like i from there i was like whoa who's this who's that and then, like i said like, <laughs> just like drive right up
1: yeah. yeah so when did you when did you start playing metal then when did that come along when did you start picking up an instrument so to speak and going with that
2: yeah i picked up instruments when i was um when i was like 14 15 maybe but i wasn't kind of just like i was just kind of like not really doing much with it i was just kind of it up yeah. and put it on and then like uh what really changed everything is like i went to africa and to go build a school help to go build a school and there were when i was there they, they were doing a lot of drum circles almost every night and those drum circles they kept asking me to go play with them and then um when i finally did and like there's like uh this feeling that i got out of playing with other people and uh playing in front of people that like i i love how it got everybody together and it brought happiness to everybody so from there from that trip i was like you know what i'm gonna be a musician for the rest of my life
1: yeah How are you? It's, <laughs> it's like um but if, if from my understanding of that is that that's like it's a communal thing it's like it's it's you know all playing the drums together it's meant to bring everybody together isn't it and it's it's meant to be like a communal thing that everybody kind of feels the same way and gets on the same page you know that's that, yep. it, it goes almost beyond music it's something a lot deeper isn't it
2: yeah yeah it's like it, it goes the the whole community thing was like a big thing for me because mm. i like growing up there weren't really a community with anything yeah and um seeing that and then like how people are like wasn't uh happy monetarily you know they were happy mm. because they were all together and enjoying the moment and yeah. that was I
1: wanted to capture that every time we play. So you came, you come back from Africa having this massive experience and you come back to San Francisco, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you you come back to San Francisco. How did you go about manifesting that then? How did you go about what you've seen and heard? And you go, okay, I need to perform a thrash metal band or how did you begin to start the process?
2: Well, I was like, uh, I was with my friends at the time and like, hey, you want to start a band you want to start a band to so ask everybody in my high school at the time like uh we were really into like metalcore was really big and then so we were combining all the influences from like all the all the thrash all the hardcore and all the punk and like um we we didn't really have a specific type of music that we wanted to play necessarily we just wanted it to sound like all the bands that we like yeah and uh, yeah the, that's how we end up forming the
1: sound that we have now yeah what we, i mean for, for people that aren't from from that area like our memories of of san francisco and the bay area is thrash and the big four and metallica yeah. and things like that that's what we remember when you were growing up was was that scene must have gone was it still existing in some way was there still a thrash scene in the bay area there's always been a thrash scene but i think the older people got the more
2: selective they got Right. So, um, for uh, up-and-comers like us, it was really hard to like break through the scene yeah. and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so we had to make our own scene. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we we weren't getting booked at shows, so we started booking our own shows at like Thai and, and restaurants and stuff. And it just kept evolving from there. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if now, like you look at our crowd, you got a little bit of hardcore guys in there. You got the punks. You got the metalheads. You got like kids. You got Old people, everybody, the whole nine it's really cool to see it's like yeah. a in a way we're kind of bringing the culture into the mainstream platform because the way we're doing it at the same time that people that who are not necessarily into our music are into our band because of the fact that we're doing whatever we need to do to like get our name
1: out there. Yeah. So, wh- why what what was the problem with getting booked? Then was it just that there wasn't enough places to get booked into play Was it? Is because of your age or because of the music you were playing? What were the reasons you were you weren't getting booked then? Uh, well,
2: first, we were the age thing was a big mm-hmm. thing. Under twenty one, a lot of venues here closed down. All ages venues. Right. Uh, that was a big thing, and when we turned twenty one, the big thing was like we weren't really like fitting the the norm or like it, in terms of like you gotta be a punk rocker you gotta play punk and he's he gonna dress like punk and
1: yeah.
2: and um the metal guys you know if you don't have battle vest on with patches on it i wouldn't like respect you or anything like that and then the older guys like you know like we don't look like we're a thrash band or we don't necessarily play all the way thrash so they didn't really support us until like um uh, we started getting traction, like, you know, the way we are and, you know, we started crashing every single show in the <laughs> Area. And then people started to notice our name because like, well, well, what the hardest part about booking shows here is like a lot, there's a lot of gatekeeping here. Um, okay. A lot of bands, like, I mean, a lot of promoters just book, book their buddies' bands, even though they're not that good. Hmm. They I get to open to like the big acts and stuff like that. And, and that was frustrating for me because like, we always thought we were a great band they just didn't know it, you know, and you know, just give us a chance. So like when the
1: chance wasn't coming out, like we started figuring out our own thing. Mm. And so that, that, I mean, that ne- neatly brings us on to why we're talking now. I read the story that inflation gentlemen, which I at first didn't even almost didn't believe about a group of musicians who weren't getting signed and played anywhere, and weren't getting booked. And you've literally took it upon yourselves to, to, Get a truck and start playing from the truck. I mean, let's go to the beginning of that. When does the moment go when we go? Okay, let's just fucking do this on our own. Do it. Was it a particular gig? Was it a particular time you got knocked back from the show? Was there a moment when you went? Do you know what we're gonna do it ourselves?
2: Yeah, we, It's like a combination of all things. When you were first starting out, a lot of the people are making us pay to play, and we didn't yeah. know the model yet. So, uh, mm-hmm. and then like, I was just like, wait up, uh, like let's take a break here for a second before we go, because we're hustling. We were like, we're selling all the tickets and we're just starting noticing like, Hey, we're not making any money doing this. Mm. If we're like, if we're a salesman, we should get at least some kind of commission. Mm. uh, So, and I started adding up, like how much does a, does a venue cost and how much, how many bands you get? Like there, these promoters are making so much money and like they're not giving any bands nothing. So Mm. we started looking at our own shows like that. We started like uh, putting the money, or putting in the money ourselves, and like having a return. And then like from there, like we just realized, like oh, like, the venues are taking a big cut too, so we like cut off the venues as well. So yeah. now like we're fully
1: like um, the, we take all the profit now. Yeah, it's 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 a. I mean, before we go any further, it, it seems a real shame that you know to the outside world, like you know, people in the UK and Europe and beyond. <laughs> will think that, you know, the Bay Area at San Francisco was is one of those culturally breeding points for great thrash metal. And now it seems like, you know, this elitism and gatekeeping and all these problems with the, with the scene, it's a real shame that, that one of the birthplaces of it has been almost destroyed a little bit by by this kind of machine and, 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 and promoting and, and venues. So wh- when you were like, okay, we're going to take this back, we're going to do something outside venues, did you already have a truck? Was, there a, was the, had, Did you go shopping for one? No, we, we actually
2: had a van before the what we have now. Yeah, you know, it was an ambulance, so we were we bought it for, <laughs> for a store. So we did that a couple of times. I didn't like how the how the promoters outside of our area was treating us and how they were canceling shows on us last minute or making us open the show even though we're a touring band or close yeah. the show because we're and we're they weren't paying us. So like. From there, we're just like, okay, how do we make this better? How do we make this better? And then we came up with the idea, I was like, what if we just play out of our out of our vehicle and go to these places? So that way we don't have to ask nobody to like yeah. and then we can actually enjoy ourselves doing this. Or what I noticed when we were touring and like other bands touring, they just like go to the next town, go to the venue, wait all night, play, and then like get paid very, very little. Or like, I didn't want to do that um so we figure out like okay i want to enjoy the actual cities we go to you know so yeah. to eliminate that we have to like not not be on a schedule we can do whatever we want you know stop us off we want to the places and then yeah,
1: yeah and from there we just start developing like the formula that we have now yeah it's like, uh, t- tell me when you had the ambulance. You kept the lights, and you and you had the lights go. Tell me you kept the lights go when you were playing. Yeah, we had the lights that. Yeah, yeah. That.
2: yeah. <laughs> but we didn't turn it on because the first time we did it, like <laughs> people got
1: mad. <laughs> so we didn't. Yeah, suppose people people who want a, some an actual ambulance and the the door and it's you guys fucking playing trash metal. It's like, yeah, so that yeah. maybe doesn't work. But you essentially. <laughs> You essentially created pop-up live music then to yourself, you know, a venue, a movable yeah, venue, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then developed that to where you are, are now. So what were the first initial challenges that you faced when you were playing out the back of a fucking ambulance? What challenges does that happen? Like, how does power work and how does yeah. you get well, everybody yeah. in there?
2: Yeah, power was a big thing. We had to figure that out. That's something that we figured out or we can't tell anybody because they're going to copy us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway, it took a lot of tri- trial, and tri- trial and tribulation for that. And then yeah. uh, scheduling. Scheduling was a big thing, too. Like, when do you do it? You know, Do you do it before the show, during the show, after the show? You know, yeah. something you have to figure out. Uh, and then uh, tickets, probably parking tickets, This, which is rarely... Happens, but sometimes it does happen, and kind of gets annoying. But other than that, like, there's a lot more benefits for us doing just pop-up shows mm-hmm. than like the cons. You know, we got yeah. rid of all the things we hate about playing shows
1: mm-hmm. with once we. So, like, that's something that like we're very proud of. Yeah, it's it, you've eliminated all the, the the things that made you not like playing music. You've eliminated them all, and so then you were. How long was it before you moved to the truck that we know of now, which is like a little bit bigger, I assume, and it's kind of there's a bit more access to it? How long was it before you moved to the next truck then? Yeah, from we started the ambulance in 2016,
2: and we just got the bus.
1: Yeah,
2: the truck, uh, like in 2021. Mm. So, but from 2021 to now, we were playing almost
1: every day. Wow. And so, did you? Did you? you you started in, in, in your your area in San Francisco yeah. whatever. Did, did you stay there or did you go out of state and stuff? Did you go any so further?
2: We were going to, like, because the Bay Area is pretty big. So we have mm-hmm. – and a lot of bands pass by here pretty often. So, uh, like, you, you'll get, like, three or four shows in the area in one week, mm-hmm. at least. So, like, we were doing SF first, and then we started doing Berkeley, Oakland, and – um and so on and so forth. And then we started, we just started touring uh, back in April and it's been pretty successful. So like now we're gonna, now we're a little bit more confident and we know what it takes to do things. So now we're
1: gonna start spreading around the country. Do, do you remember, John, do you remember the first one when you first start up the drums and the guitars and everything starts up and, oh, yeah. and no, one's, <laughs> no one expected to see it? Do you remember the first one?
2: Yeah, yeah, the first one was, I uh, wasn't this town called Petaluma in October, when we first really did it. Um, yeah, we did it in the beginning of the show, the middle of the show, at the end of the show. So, like, yeah, no one really – at first, like, people was, like, in line, so they didn't really care. And, like, throughout the night, it was like, oh, shit, who are these guys? And, and then, <laughs> it, it got really big. Um, and then uh there's an actual, like, uh, an accident that happened right after we played because the, the driver got disrupted, so <laughs> –
1: <laughs> so, yeah, That's a very memorable first,
2: yeah.
1: And from there, what was, there, it, it, it what was, just was get- the reaction yeah. of of the of the of the venues? So you're playing outside the venues sometimes before, sometimes during, sometimes after. Were they were they hostile or were they kind of like you? Okay, you do your thing, you're not hitting our thing. What was the reaction? The it's always been pretty
2: good, uh, generally. Uh, the only time they're um they're mad is like we're doing it smackdown on their front front door and like people trying to get out Um uh, because like they're the other bands are trying to load out as well um but yeah generally sometimes the either the band itself or the the promoter like hit us up and like hey do you guys want three tickets to get into the show so, like, <laughs> yeah
1: sometimes it happens sure yeah. What did the, what, I mean, we've got to ask, what did the police make of it? You know, with the cops? You they, know, like, what were they, ha, how would they deal with it? What it noise laws and stuff? Yeah, so like,
2: it goes, like, one or, one or two ways. Uh, usually, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, they show up, and they go, like, what's going on over here? And they go, like, this is really cool. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but play your last song, and we'll, like, let you guys go. And, right. um... Uh, the second one was like the whoever called them is very aggravated. Um, right. they were just like, come on man, you gotta go. <laughs> they get shut us, they shut us down. And sometimes they give us a ticket because mm. they uh, if they're if their boss is having a bad day or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how All much right. is it how much is the ticket? How much did you get fined? What what have you $60. been fined? Okay. It's Okay, not much, like a hundred bucks most. Sure. You know, yeah, it's just a perfect like, thing. Compared, compared to how screwed you were getting by the venues, that's not bad, right? That's yeah. that's not bad. That's a nice risk. So then it starts to become really popular and it, you get mentioned in various sort of ma- magazines and there's articles done about you. Know, I've, read, I've read a couple about them, about you know it getting uh, to be much a bigger thing. People just coming to see your band now, just coming to see yeah. that rather than it being yeah. something else there. And at, yep. one of the biggest it's turning cool. points I read about was... Um, when Gary Holt of Slayer and Exodus, yeah. he he posts about you and says how fucking amazing it is what you do. And that must have been a real trip to read that. Yeah, that was
2: real trippy because uh, he's from around our area too. So yeah, it was like, uh, I remember just watching him, like, you know, when I was a teenager watching his band play and like, damn, these guys are sick. And then he joined Slayer and I'm like, whoa, this is, uh, this <laughs> is really cool. And like just him being able to like, talk to him in the, in the personal level uh is really cool and he's a really cool dude and um uh, because of him we got we became part of esp guitars which is what's yes. his yeah his guitar co- company that he uh he worked with so yeah. we became part of those guys and th- th- that was really cool to like uh just be like backstage
1: i guess <laughs> of things yeah. and- <laughs> it's it's funny how these things work that you know people recognize when someone is doing something that they truly love and they truly want other people to enjoy much like what you're doing and people gravitate to that because it's real it's it's there's no corporate side to it there's no front to it it's you and the guys playing music you you love so when how how many shows have you done so far then would you say in, from the truck since we got the bus i think we we've, we've
2: done a, almost 100 shows now okay wow we're, we're, playing, uh, we're playing almost every day and then when we go on tour we play two to three times a day
1: wow yeah so but, uh, are you are you now planning much bigger tours i mean have you been over most of the states where where do you I'm are not, sort of uh, where you're we're going just
2: starting yeah yeah, yeah. we we, we want to do like because like at the same time even though we're getting this much success we're we're still financially still are responsible for all the moves that we make so yeah. uh so the the smartest thing for us right now as a band and to be able to like keep our sanity is like to do a, to do this whole country by parts so we would yeah. do like oh i think our full formula right now is like doing a week to a week and a half every month right just go different areas of the country yeah so that way we can go back and we and we can restock with some merch. Do, do whatever we can do with our personal lives and go back on the road and do it.
1: That's the other thing that I was really impressed by uh, is that you have a really good grasp of, of your own self. So you look after all your own business yourself. There's no one else. It's it's purely just the band. It's, it gives you total control over everything you do. And I think that that's a really powerful message to send out that you can do this. You know, It takes a bit of work, but you can't do it.
2: Yeah, I mean... The, that's the the whole idea is, like, because in, in hip-hop, they always do the independent thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I have no idea why the whole independent thing is not being transformed into, like, in the metal or punk world, mm-hmm. where, like, punk started the, the whole DIY thing. And yeah. so punk's trying to get signed to, to Epitaph and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where, like, bands are still trying to, like, metal bands trying to be, like, on these big labels, and they, they have the grueling schedule and, like, don't own the rights sometimes the drummer doesn't even play on the records because you have to do a standard now that we have full control of everything it's more genuine for everybody to like you know to like see the see our band it's like well these guys really do the work you know yeah and and the fact that like they know that we do the work like when they see us live they see
1: like the real us Mm -hmm. rather than like all all like produced you know bands like that yeah I think maybe the reason metal is like that, uh, and I just put this forward, like maybe you agree, is that metal fans are very, very dedicated to, the, to their bands and their group of bands that they like. Once they get into a band, they buy the t-shirts, they buy the merch, they go to as many shows, they they, are, they consume an anor- enormous amount of product for a band. You know, you take someone like Metallica, that with a very famous brand, they make most of their money from merch. Metal fans are very di- driven and very. Uh, Uh, connected to their band in many ways and that can be exploited. You know, you get a a record label or whatever it may be and they can exploit that, you know, like you said, take things out of control of the band and, and, you know, control what exactly how they're being produced and everything. And metal seems to be one of those areas that does get exploited from time to time. You know, we, we, I think we've seen that like quite a lot, you know?
2: Yeah, you definitely, I hear a lot of horror stories from like bigger bands, you know? And like, uh, and while they're saying that tour, so we don't we don't say anything, we just like take notes in our heads. It's like let's We're not guys like <laughs> <let's go>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean like being it, it, I, I'm also I'm a businessman, so like mm. being able to control everything is like a big thing for me. Yeah. So like Yeah, I want I want like you know, if you want to get done get something done right, you gotta do it yourself. You know, Absolutely. We, we have that whole business, small business mentality going into the music industry. So mm. uh, yeah, I think that's a, a place, a big factor to like how we're,
1: how we're doing things now. Mm. You think that there's an element of uh, the establishment and, and certainly corporate, you know, larger record labels stuff. Do you think they're scared of people like you? Do you think, well, hold on, this guy is doing it all himself. This band could do it all themselves. We want a piece of that. We can't even get into that world therefore we must try and downplay it or even destroy it you know do you think that that's how do you think the thought process like that is going on
2: hopefully it does hopefully it, it like it starts a fire with the whole industry mm. i got into this game because i want to change it i want to change it for the better i want my friends who are like on the label to like realize that like they don't need that or like they can be they can call the shots as well as much as Record labels does I don't really wish ill upon like record labels or anything like that because they they did some great they've done some great stuff, you yeah. know it's just like it just needs to change, and yeah. a lot of people that who are in that in the side of the fence are older mm-hmm. or either are older or they're on their way out yeah so uh they they need like young guys like us to like really mm-hmm. like oh like change everything you know like and we're doing it the way we're doing it. Uh, and we're not like, um, I call it, we're not spreading like negativity towards those labels because personally, we never knew who they are. Yeah. You know? So um, the,
1: the promoters is a whole other thing. We, we always talk bad about them. <laughs> I, <think, laughs> I think you did. I agree 100%. I think that there are some great labels out there, you know, doing some great work with bands that are supportive to bands. There are, the list is, is quite long of that. But I think you're right that, you know, um, technology is moving very quickly. How young people uh, adopt music or listen to music is now is now changing, and and it needs to catch up. And you're right; it needs to change. The balance needs to be redressed again. Uh, you know, at least to be fair, if not give more to the artist. You know, yeah. we've, we've, you know, this has been brought up on the show before. We talked about Spotify and streaming services and how they've affected music consumption. So, for yourself, what is what are the next plans for the next couple of months, and what are the next plans for the next couple of years? Uh well you know just
2: get bigger as a band and uh, tour more we'll be in Europe release new music you know uh you just enjoy it enjoy the the mm-hmm. process and everything you know like uh just be able to like we're in the position that we can make a punk song and a metal song anytime we want you know mm-hmm. and like add a little bit of the, whatever we want to put in there because like the there are no more gatekeepers for us. We're 100% independent. They can't really like tell us what to do. Can't like people, people that supports us will support us because of that. So they're like, you know, I, I'm not afraid of, you know, adding
1: new things to like what we're doing, you know. Do you and, think as well, do you think maybe, um, maybe Hollywood will start calling about this story and want to tell this story? You think people will want want, want to make this? Because I believe it is, John. I believe it is the story that will need to be told.
2: Yeah, that'll that'll be really cool. I mean, uh, (laughs) this is like as long as like our message
1: stays the same.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, A a while back, someone once said that it's going to take another Kerr Cobain and the things that they did to music to make those changes, John. I believe you're one of those people that is starting that process of making a change. You may only see a small amount of, of, of what you're seeing in your scene, but I'm telling you now, there are people listening to this podcast who will go away after what you've said and try and change things as well, my friend. Um, you know, I think what you're doing is incredibly important. You need to be told that it's incredibly important, my friend. Um, and I really hope that it it gets to where you need to be. Um, you know it's I, I think it's a fantastic thing what you're doing i really do thank you man like
2: yeah that's i mean that's the whole idea you know like uh just being able to inspire people you know because like we want to be the band that like we were we want to look up to when we were starting out N- now cool. you know, i think we're there and now
1: we can hopefully we get to inspire more people you know so we, we, we're, we're just there'll be people listening to the podcast now who will learn uh, who won't be able to get over to actually see you? How can they support what you're doing? How can they show what they you know their belief in what you're doing? How can they support your band even though they can't maybe come to see you? Uh, just just keep sharing our stuff, you know. Um, there's the main thing because the
2: what I always tell people like, yes, we can. We we'll eventually get to your area. Just the, big, <laughs> the bigger we get, the faster we'll get there. So yeah. that's first things first. So we know we know that there's a demand <laughs> there for us. And uh, yeah, just like, you know, like share music. Uh, If you want to buy it, go for it, buy it, buy our merch, you know, everything that we do is made, we made it ourselves. So it's really cool to like see our shirts everywhere, you know, like, because we printed that, you know, a little bit of our soul goes into that. So, and yeah, like the, the, that's pretty much it. And then like, uh, you know, interact with us, you know, like we Mm -hmm. always respond to messages, you know. Uh, I think that's all I heard. That's a really big thing that we actually respond to people. Mm. So <laughs> I guess a lot of bands don't do that once you get to a certain level. It,
1: it's it's cool when uh, we talked at the beginning of the show where you went to Africa and you surrounded yourself with people and, and got involved with the community. I saw a video, I think you posted it a, a short while ago, of you doing basically the same equivalence of that with loads of people thr- moshing and headbanging and stuff while you were playing. And it was the metal equivalence of what you've seen after. John, you did it. You did that. You have achieved that. I'm here to say, I saw that video. I was made up. I thought it was the best thing I'd seen for some time. And that's okay. on you, mate, that you did that. that that's what you manifested. Um yeah listen thanks for coming on the show uh i will no doubt catch up and i'll keep talking to you because i think your story's fantastic hopefully i know people listening to this will, will be empowered by it and will get real inspiration from it sir so you're doing you're one of the defenders of the faith as i call it um thanks for coming on the show ladies and gentlemen this is john Orr. thank you hey <laughs> <laughs>
0: John Ork there from Hemorrhage. What a what a story. You know, what a fantastic story. And now following them, they've got singles out and stuff and they they do a tour list, but it isn't the usual list of venues. It's like outside this place and I buy this place. And I just think it's fabulous, sort of claiming back of what they want to do. You know, it's the, it's the completely self contained, as he was saying, in terms of the the, the ownership that they have of the music. Is it easy? No, it's. It sounds like they've had a really hard time of it, but their their music is their own. Everything they own is their own, and and I just think it's a really interesting story. Um, do I suggest other bands do that? Possibly, yeah. I suppose I do. But all it, what it, it does highlight is that there are other avenues, there are other ways of 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 you know being self reliant and other ways of kind of being self sustaining that exist. Every time, one of the the classic things about the record business is the minute someone gets famous in a particular method, that door gets closed and it can no longer be a method of getting famous or signed or whatever. And if that's your ultimate goal, you probably want to question why you want to do it in the first place. These guys have answered those questions for themselves. They do this because they genuinely love the music, genuinely believe in it and genuinely love it. When you see the videos that you see on social media, you completely see that. You completely see that they absolutely enjoy and love this music. And that's going to carry them a long, long way. We should keep an eye on Hemorrhage mainly because they're fucking they're a great band and they play they play great thrash metal, but also because what they're doing and how hopefully they're scaring the industry into reassigning how they do things and how they look at certain things, which I think is incredibly powerful. I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you enjoyed that little insight there. And and as always, please feedback. Is it is this the right way to? to go about things with, with your band. Is that the right way of doing things? What are the problems? What are the pitfalls? Would you do it? Have you tried it? Tell me what you think. As always, contact me on social media and get some fantastic messages, which really make me love doing this show and really enjoy it as well. And uh, to put a little bit of uh, blood in the water, I, I have got the, this big thing that I'm going to announce. I don't want to be that like when you see it on social media, announcements of the announcement coming, but there's some really nice things coming up soon. I can't wait to talk to you about them and hopefully invite you to these these particular events. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the show.